Today on The Travel Guys. The travel news, United updates its mileage plus program. So what exactly does that mean? And a beautiful new world-class airport is being built in China. We have updates. Our goal on The Travel Guys on a weekly basis is to make you a smarter traveler. And at 320, Gwen Duncan joins us to answer an important question. How does travel insurance respond to a terrorist attack before or during your stay? At 335, we tackle another important topic of the day. How is the current political climate in the U.S. impacting our citizens when they travel overseas? Clayton Whitehead, a seasoned international traveler, joins us for the discussion. Finally, coming up at 3.50, get your notepad handy for a little lighter subject. Mark's been all over the continent in the last few weeks and has a a ration of thumbs-ups and a few thumbs-downs to help you make decisions on hotels, attractions, and transportation. A busy hour. Thank you for taking time to be a part of today's edition of The Travel Guys. On the road again. Just can't wait to get on the road again. the show yes we're on we're on we're here we made it you made it we are the travel guys on kfbk mark hoffman on my left tom romano i'm right here and there's gwen duncan's going to join us in just a bit we're brought to you by sports leisure vacations and as we've mentioned earlier uh Follow along at TravelGuysRadio.com for all the fun and games that we have on the show today. Well, it's been a while since I've seen Mark. Yay! It's so he, nice to be here in Sacramento. I understand you guys had a little hot weather while I was gone. Yeah, we did. We did, and we've gotten over it, and it's cooled down. And, I appreciate uh, that very much. And, and um, you, I, I remember Sacramento. Um, <laughs> it seems, you know, people often ask me, do you ever get tired of traveling all over the place? And usually the answer is occasionally, you know, I mean, you get where you want to be home. And mm-hmm. it was today I walked into my own office for the first time in two and a half weeks. So it was it's nice to be back in Sacramento. Now, do you, uh, you know, since you travel so much, do you right before you you fly home, do you? You know, hit the the laundromat or whatever at the hotel and wash up some stuff so that when you get home, you actually have some clean clothes because you had to take most everything that you own with you. That's that's a very astute observation. Yes, if you're going on the road for two weeks, not very many people have more than fourteen pair of underwear. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's it. Oh, but you have that one that the one that you can you know <laughs> yes. you can wear for a week. Those who we have been listeners about. of the program for a long time know that we talked about what these seventeen day. You can take these on a seven. Day trip and you'd only need two of them or something. <laughs> anyway, as you were, yeah. As it's so. Anyway, it's nice to be back here in Sacramento. And a little bit later on in the program, we're even. I've made a list 
of some of the cool and not so cool things I ran into as I awesome. motored around the country, maybe to share. You know, it's it's possible well, good, that good. you might be going to some of these places. Well, you know, we do promise people that we're going to make them a smarter traveler. And, exactly. And today, uh, we'll, we'll pull it off a couple of times. That is the point of the yeah. whole thing. Try to tell you, maybe you're going to someplace I've been, and maybe I can help you find a really cool hotel or some really good service or help you avoid the thing that will really be awful. Yeah, we're going to talk about Cape Cod, uh, the UP, up yeah. the peninsula, uh, and, and, of course, uh, Mackinac. Mackinac. To those Mackinac. That, yeah, I know. Yes. But I like, it's cooler to say My Mackinac. hands are all stained. I went to uh, Port, oh, up to... You, you to, went to Portland, Portland, and you went to the berry thing. I went you doing berries, berries, and last night I was cutting and freezing cherries and Is stuff, that what so you did still, when you came back as you left and went to Portland? I, I, I literally got in it. This is the deal. We were coming back from uh, the Michigan tour, mm-hmm. and we got cut in a th- thunderstorm, and we didn't get home. So we were stuck a night in Traverse City, Michigan, and with 29 of my best friends, and we came home the next afternoon, got in about 5 o'clock in the afternoon mm-hmm. as opposed to 10 o'clock the previous night. So, which is why you always carry one extra pair of underwear uh, and your toothbrush. Uh, you never check your toothbrush. So, anyways, um, when we got home, yes, and I got in it. We got in at uh, three o'clock, three thirty, mm-hmm. something like that. And my plane to Portland left at nine thirty. Oh my gosh! So just, I had to run home. So you'll and, know he goes that just to get berries. Uh huh. Yeah. Well, and it worked though. Do they have berries in, in late f- July? Because I'm going to be there. First Marion berries of the season. Marion berries. You will hit the huckleberries. He was the mayor maybe. of uh, New York, wasn't Marianne he? Marianne. That's that's very cute. The humor is amazing. Shall we get on to the travel news? Let's do. All right. Mark Hoffman at the top of every Travel Guys radio show. When we finally get to it, does the travel news. It's amazing how you and I can talk for three or four minutes and really not say much of anything at the top of each. specialty. (laughs) We do best. United Airlines, for those of you who collect miles and hope for great adventures for free, um, that proposition got just a little tougher this week. United Airlines has announced that they have new awards. They're called Everyday Awards. Oh, okay. These replace awards that you knew what the price was going to be all along the way. Everyday Awards, the price changes every, every day, day, pretty mm. much. Mm. Um, and United is telling you that this is just going to be an amazing, amazing, great addition. It's a, a say hello to a new award travel option. You can see it right there as the headline. Wow, there Let you me go. just tell you that when you see something like this, I was still on the airplane. Mm-hmm. We were landing and everybody's turning on their phones and I turned mine on and the last email that's popped up in my account is this one. So I announced to everybody on the plane, oh look, United's devalued their mileage program again. <laughs> uh, while we were in this, just while even while we were in the sky. And, and you so, were on United. It doesn't say this, that they're devaluing it, but but it does say that now United will decide what the award prices are in certain types of awards on a day-by-day basis so they can more tailor them to supply and demand, mm-hmm. i.e. that means you will pay more for certain types of awards going forward. No details yet. Mm-hmm. Stay tuned for Screwing by United Airlines. And as a uh, frequent flyer and high-mileage uh, award person yes. for United, yes. how does that make you feel? Uh, when I saw this, I said, wow, United is getting closer to Hilton. They will be, you know, the people refer to Hilton honor points as Hilton pesos mm-hmm. because the Mexican currency is not worth, worth much, much compared to the U.S. dollar. And so I think United mileage plus for United is headed in that direction. So if you have a mileage plus account and you're thinking of a long distance overseas type of thing, they're changing the rules on November the 1st. So on November the 1st, the rules are going to be different than they were on October the 31st. If you are saving for that dream vacation 
be forewarned. I mentioned in the headlines um, that a new world airport. Isn't this a cool picture? They, this is awesome. Go to TravelGuysRadio.com. Mm-hmm. We're gonna we got a picture there. We of do this. of a picture of this, this brand is... new airport is in Beijing, and it's going to open in 2019. And it is. I'm just going to tell you something. Uh, if you know they're redoing LaGuardia in New York, I don't think it's going to look quite like this because they don't have that much room. But um, this is a pretty cool looking thing. So it's, a picture of it is on TravelGuysRadio.com. Uh, it's uh, 700,000 square meters. I don't know how big that is, but it's big. Seven Anything with 700,000. We'll push the airport's capacity to 100 million passengers a year. To give you an idea, I think in Sacramento we have about 7 or 8 million a year. Mm-hmm. So um, that's going to tell you. Construction is also taking place on a high-speed railway station that passengers will be able to use to get to the airport, Beijing's Capital International Airport is currently recognized as the second busiest in the world. Go to highlights on the Travel Guys, uh, TravelGuysRadio.com. Go down to where it says the world's largest airport. Click there. And you'll see the picture. Hilton Honors, speaking of United Airlines and Hilton Honors Points, Hilton's is making some minor pricing award adjustments. So just file that in United file. It won't be good for you as a uh, as a Hilton Honors person. Um, it, it's it's not the first time Hilton has made a lot of adjustments in recent years to their program and uh, never good. This is why you're, we tell folks when you're earning points and miles and stuff like this, spend them today, redeem them today, because they will never be as they will not be as worth as much tomorrow as they are today. Horizon Air is canceling several hundred flights off of their August schedule due to a pilot shortage. There are lots of reasons for this, and I could spend the rest of the newscast time explaining it to you. But if you are flying with Horizon Air, that's Alaska's uh, partner, you might want to just check and make sure that the flight that you have scheduled for August is still going to operate. They're having a shortage of pilots. Travelguysradio.com, you can find a link to the most outrageous travel fees. Chris Elliott wrote a special for USA Today, published last week on what he feels are the most outrageous travel fees, including roaming fees on your phone and credit card fees and resort fees and wireless Internet fees and airline fees. Go to TravelGuysRadio.com and you can see that. Big weekend in Las Vegas. Thomas, you know why? Let me think. Uh, Vegas, uh, boy, um, I don't know. It's certainly not the it's not the NBA Summer League. Recreational sure. weed is now legal in uh, Las Vegas yeah, yeah, as of the 1st of July. However, be not deceived. It is not legal, legal. anywhere on the Strip or in a casino. So um, don't you can get drunk in a casino, but you cannot get stoned in a casino. I'm not sure how that works, but anyway, that's the rules. You also can't uh, don't so don't be imbibing anywhere on the strip. Um, Las Vegas is anticipating a huge tourism boom here. I'm going to suggest to them, however, be careful because the states that surround them are kind of like Colorado and Mm -hmm, Oregon mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. Washington and soon-to-be California, and people that live in those states don't have to go on a tourism venture to Las Vegas because it's now legal in their areas. So I think as more and more, the bottom line, as more and more places legalize the consumption and purchase of marijuana, the impact on the states who do do it will be less. Mm -hmm. Denver had a great windfall. Um, Washington and, and Oregon had a little bit of a windfall. I suspect that as it becomes more readily available. Anyway, be careful. Um, also, if you're flying, um, TSA folks tend to be fairly lenient on things like that. But if you're flying to or from a state where it's not legal 
just be very careful. Uh, everybody's not as to- every, the whole country is not as accepting on this issue as we are here in California. So um, my suggestion to you is go to Nevada, enjoy it, and leave it behind. That would yeah, be the most. There, there are it's still against federal law. It is against federal law, and that's another interesting thing that I saw in this story here. It's also illegal in national parks. So if you are if you are toking up in a national park and you get caught or you get in, what's probably going to happen is you get a different issue, and this becomes a sidebar issue to that. Mm-hmm. But you know it's like having you can't have liquor on the river this weekend, mm-hmm. and they're enforcing it. And so this is another thing. So just be careful as it becomes legal. If that's your your choice, why then make sure that where you're where you're going that you've read up and done your homework. Another great thing on TravelGuysRadio.com, I saw a story this week. They're talking about, um, this is two kids who made their first trip to Disneyland in 1955. So add 62 years to Mm -hmm. that. Mm -hmm. And um, a great story. There's a video about uh, these two folks. So they have got to be uh, well into their 70s or early 80s at this point. If you go to TravelGuysRadio.com, you can see the whole story and the video um folks reminiscing about the first trip to disneyland and finally in the travel news delta and jet blue are going to test some facial and fingerprinting uh aspects to boarding an airplane jet blue is testing it on their flights from boston to aruba they are testing uh the facial recognition they will take a quick photo of you it will be matched against all of the they've got apparently the uh, TS, they've got the uh, passport photos. They've got all of this stuff. So that will allow, will tell you to allow the board to board the plane. Delta is testing fingerprints to get on the airplane, and so we'll see how this all works. There's a lot of questions. What if you're, what what if you're, you don't have any other boarding pass, and the facial recognition thing doesn't recognize you? Are you still going to be? Is there going to be a way for you to get on the airplanes? For right now, both airlines say they will have staff standing by. Uh, to assist. So if you get somewhere in Boston with United, you now board, and in some Houston gates, you now board without an actual person. You put your boarding pass on the the, uh, reader, and the door opens, and you go through. So uh, more automation is coming to airports near you, and that's the travel news for today. All right, here to make you smarter traveler, Gwen Duncan joins us to answer some of those important questions in regards to travel insurance, you know, in regards to if there's a terrorist attack before, during your stay. That's next here on The Travel Guys. Welcome to the Travel Guys, Mark Hoffman, Tom Romano, special guest, Gwen Duncan with Cordially Yours Travel. Uh, uh, I saw him in concert just I was a couple just, weeks that's ago. That's exactly what I was thinking. We're talking about Arlo Guthrie, the song in the background, and I, I started thinking that Mark just saw him. If you ever get a chance to see Arlo Guthrie and you love that kind of music, you have to go see him because he's a, sec- he's a legacy. His dad was... You know, among the founders of folk music, practically in the country. So you've got two generations there, and anybody who did Alice's Restaurant is is in my book. All right, Gwen Duncan is in studio here to join us for the next six or seven minutes. We're talking about travel insurance and terrorism, and trying to make you a little bit smarter traveler. And Gwen, before we get started on this, I think during the break we were kind of having a little exchange here, and I think we came up with the thing that's most important. The takeaway from all of this is. When you're buying travel insurance or protection, and do your homework. Ask your questions before you, when you're buying it, not after something happens. That's right. And you want to read through the um, 
what is covered and what isn't, because a lot of people do that after the fact, and then it's too late because the particular insurance they purchase doesn't cover And let's be fair, everything. the person, particularly the travel agent or mm-hmm. tour operator, whomever selling you the insurance may not know the answer to those questions either. They could get the answers to those questions if you ask them. That's right. And they're familiar with certain tour operators, as a, for instance, who have the same insurances. And so you can follow along with the rules and regulations, but uh, it's up to the, the passenger. Okay. And if you need to do some homework on travel insurance and tourism, we have posted some things to our website at TravelGuysRadio.com yes. that you have given me um, that are excellent. Some myths about travel insurance and tourism here. Um, let's there, let, let's run over these quickly, if okay. we can, Gwen. Um, there's a terrorist incident in a country that I'm traveling to. Can I cancel my trip and get a full refund? No. <laughs> Unless you've purchased cancel for any reason. Okay. And there are some policies that will have uh, tour, I mean, terrorism as an, an element, you know, that they'll pay for. But it, they let, may me, let me go cover. back. Important thing that you've, this cancel for any reason, which generally is a type of insurance that doesn't always give you a complete cash refund. Sometimes they're vouchers and future travel and things like that. But this is a situation where that would kick in because yes, if, you, if, if the insurance policy isn't covering, you can say, well, travel. For, I don't want to go for any reason. And this is my reason. So, no, you're not you're likely not to be covered. That's right. If there is if I'm going to England in six in six weeks and there's a terrorist event there, like there have been a couple, I can't go to the insurance company and say, I've decided not to go get me my money back. No, um, actually, uh, there has to be. Actually, there's a couple of rules. If you bought a travel insurance, the U.S. government must deem the event an act of terrorism before your departure. The de- uh, depending on the plan, the terrorism attack must occur within seven days, 14 or 30 days of your trip, of your planned trip. And the attack must occur in a city that's listed in your itinerary. Those are three main criteria. So if you're going to Amsterdam and the attack is in Brussels, then sorry. That's right. Yeah. Unless it's on your itinerary. Okay. Um, and, and some of them will give you 50 miles radius and some of them will say, no, it has to be a listed uh, listed city on your itinerary. Okay, another question here. Um, travel insurance will cover me if I'm injured in a terrorist. If, if there's a terrorist attack and I'm injured, then it will insurance will cover me. But the answer to that question is you have to read the policy very That's carefully. That's right. You have to read the policy because if you're injured, some of the um, some of the insurance companies may cover because it's a, a trip inter- interruption. Okay. May. I say may because that's up to their interpretation. If you're stuck, you're, you're in a country. Let's say you were in Turkey last year, when the, two years ago, when they had the and the Istanbul airport is closed, and you're supposed to fly out of there. Now, does your travel insurance will that kick in and help you now? For trip inter- interruption, it would because it would help you may assisting you in getting out. Okay, you know, getting out. Now, if you're injured there and you have to go to a hospital, some insurances they give you what's called a payment guarantee, and that allow you not to, well, you'll have to still pay uh, money out of your pocket, but it's guaranteeing the hospitals that it's going to be covered. But you have to understand that some policies require you to be out of pocket to pay for your Now, what if the help. government comes out and says, don't go to this place, we're issuing a travel warning, and there's a lot of different levels of warnings and stuff, but what if the U.S. government issues a travel warning, then oh. is that going to help you get reimbursed for your trip? Um, well, it's... That would be depending on your on the policy that you've got. But according to the research I had done, travel warnings and travel alerts uh, don't 
don't count. Don't have any particular uh, bearing no. on whether or not you're going to be. And no. so, the, the, again, we go back to what we what we said at the beginning of this conversation, Gwen, is yeah. that you really need to ask these questions. If this is a concern to you and you're thinking about an international, particularly an international trip somewhere, that's basically what we're talking about here is things that go out of the country across an international border. These are questions you need to ask when you're buying the protection because um, one insurance company, now AIG, is offering a terrorism rider. You can purchase some of this coverage, yes, if you ask for it ahead of time and you're willing to pay for it. And if I'm going to suggest to you if this is a huge concern and you're paying a lot of money for a trip, then this is something that you need to look into. If it's not a concern to you, then don't spend the money. Yes, every time that you're buying insurance, you've got to, or considering insurance, you've got to look at how much are you willing to lose, mm-hmm. basically, for the cost of your trip. And and um, uh, medically, that could be $100,000. So I, th- I think the other takeaway from this is that while there are not specific terrorism clauses in policy, in many cases, something that happens that might be related to terrorism will fit into a category that will allow you to have some coverage or some protection. Or at least some assistance. They've got 24-7 assistance, and they'll be able to help you in getting home, changing your flights, and all that kind of stuff. But for people who are saying, look, you know, um, I'm scheduled to go to a country in a couple of months, and there's been an attack there, and I'm nervous now, and unless you've got coverage that allows you to cancel for any reason, the chances are very good that you, your, your cancellation protection will not cover you in Absol- that particular absolutely. situation. And when you are making a purchase of insurance, it has to be purchased before you go, obviously, and pre- preferably before uh, 14, 20 days. Some of them as far as 30 days after you've made it's an like initial payment. It's like I tell payment. folks, you can't buy fire insurance when your house is ablaze. You That's have to right. buy it before the fire starts. That's right. So um, think about these coverages, and, and some are more expensive than others. Gwen Duncan from Cordially Yours Travel. Um, Gwen, I found out today, Tom, that Gwen has been in the travel business since 1989, and she has over three dozen independent agents. I want to, So one of these days I want to get into a conversation about that with her because I know there are other travel agents who listen to our program. Gwen, thank you for all this information. Um, TravelGuysRadio.com is where you go to get links to a lot of the things that we were just talking about and even some things that we didn't mention. Thank you, guys. Clayton Whitehead, international traveler and man of mystery, joins us talk about, uh, well, how the current political climate might affect your travel overseas. That's next on The Travel Guys. the travel guys mark hoffman tom romano brought to you by sports leisure vacations and here every sunday from three to four in an effort to make you a smarter traveler and uh, just as a as a follow-up to our conversation with gwen duncan there a couple of things that we didn't that's the thing about live radio is you sometimes you know mark gets carried away and goes off and we didn't have enough time um that never happens when tom is here because he's a professional Has, um when no, you're, no, no, you're no, going no. overseas Make sure you register in the STEP program, S-T-E-P, Smart Traveler Enrollment Program. It's from the government. Make sure that you do that. And also, if you're thinking about buying cancellation insurance that or protection that allows you to cancel for any reason, including a terrorism-related thing that maybe wasn't covered, but you got nervous and you didn't want to go, so you say, hey, I'm invoking, invoking the any reason clause, just be aware of the fact that a lot of times, as we mentioned 
a cancellation for any reason isn't always a cash refund. So sometimes it's a, a voucher for a future trip or you haven't lost value or you get part refund and part voucher for future. So make sure that you do your homework there is important also. Okay, anyways, um, waiting for us on the line is Clayton Whitehead. We have a wide variety of topics. You here are at a radio station that occasionally politics becomes a topic of conversation here. Quite frequently. Yeah, and so politics in the United States, how is that impacting when folks go overseas? Clayton goes overseas two, three, four times a year. He's already been uh, to Ireland this year and is uh, pr- planning a trip to Italy. Clayton, welcome to the Travel Guys. Thanks, Mark, and hi, Tom. Nice uh, talking to both of you today. Great to hear from you, Clayton. I, I'm assuming that you are registered with the STEP program, are you not? Well, you register specific for every trip, mm-hmm. but once you register the first time, it's going to remember you so you don't have to reenter a lot of personal information. Got it. Uh, you just... Uh, Pull up your last reservation and add on again the dates and where you're going to be visiting. Uh, and 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 just so people know, my opinion of this is that it's not Big Brother, but rather it's just letting your government know where you're going so that if something goes wrong, they're going to come looking for you. Mm-hmm. They're it's, going to know you're there. So kind of like leaving your it's a pretty good deal. Leaving your itinerary at home, you know, with somebody in case something happens, so you can be found. It's just one exactly. more little measure and doesn't cost you anything one of the few times when one of the few times when you're you're totally on board with the government coming to look for you if need be exactly yes this would definitely be the time so clayton um you are very much an international traveler you go all over the continent you are a man who made a mileage run to africa last africa and and actually i was going to bring that up because my africa run though before the inauguration was after the election And I was visiting very democratic South Africa. So um, I I got some interesting comments (laughs) down there regarding the outcome of the election, as I did with my springtime trip to to Ireland. Um, I I want to try to take the high road and be politically correct with what I'm going to say. But in my heart, based on my experiences, democratic countries especially and the whole world in general looks to America as being a leader. Uh, a country with uh, that takes the high moral road and that does what is right in uh, you know for humanity and for the globe and basically the comment I've gotten on two continents was just really <laughs> really uh, the, the world seems rather surprised that we made the political decision that we did so it do doesn't you seem consistent with our political past nor the direction that we had been heading in for quite some time now with regard to human rights and, and, and global care. Um, everyone just seems very, very surprised and perplexed. And, of course, I return their question with uh, my own continuing sense of, of, of surprise uh, and, uh, and being perplexed. So at this point, you would say that the international reaction that you have experienced with your travelers and on your own personal travel is one of, are you serious? I mean, you know, of, of surprise. So I said, uh, yeah. w- one of, of surprise, as opposed to one of, uh, you're from the United States, 
and we don't like your president, and therefore um, we're going to beat you up, or we're going to give you a bad hotel room, or a lousy taxi ride, or overcharge you yes. for your meal. I absolutely have not experienced that, except here in America. <laughs> well, you know, we, we as Americans are so polarized and so divided on this issue, and and I think that uh, I think I'm I'm going to fare much better in Europe getting a good hotel room than. Uh, than in America, if I find someone of a differing opinion across the counter. Well, you know, the the <laughs> argument is always that religion and politics are two uh, subjects that are best left out of family discussions and friendly discussions and stuff like that, and probably no more than no more uh, relevant to that comment than right now, um, considering what's going on in the country. All right, I have a couple of other things that I want to ask you about. Also, you are going up to Oregon for the solar eclipse. I am, and forgive me, my phone is beeping. My mother is calling me right now. Oh my gosh! <laughs> Do you need to take that call, Clayton? Uh, we can, no, you know, I, there is some. I won't take the call, but um, if I'm if if you hear a beeping, it's mom calling. Okay. All right. Um, anyway, the eclipse is on Monday, August the twenty first, and this is a, a a totality eclipse. So I guess it's rather rare. It's been any number of years since it's happened last, and it's going to be I think forty years before it happens again when we have over the continental United States, total blackness. And um, it starts just west of Salem, Oregon, on the coast, and it's going to take kind of an arc-shaped path from the northwestern United States to the southeastern United States. It will exit our country, if that's the proper word for an eclipse, over Charleston, South Carolina. So the date is Monday, August 21st, and there are a lot of places along the path of totality uh, where you can watch this. Of course, uh, if you go to the, uh, uh, I guess, the area around Yellowstone Park, uh, you have the greatest probability of a clear day. Where I'm going in Salem, great probability of rain, but um, we'll have a good time <laughs> anyway. But the, the, of the many, many websites, the one that I really prefer as a, as a go-to for information is www.eclipse.com. 2017.nasa.gov. So this is, um, you know, this is NASA's website, special page they have created just for the eclipse. And there's so many links to so much information. You could spend all weekend just reading about the eclipse and preparing yourself for the party. Clayton, will you send me a note with that uh, with that uh, address in it, that email address, I mean that uh, link, so that we can get it up on Travel Guys Radio. It's not up there now because I didn't know that we were going to that you were going to mention it, but we will get it up for you at, later on in the day. Yes, Thomas. Clayton, uh, I know all there's. I've talked to several people that have been planning to uh, to go up to Oregon for this uh, solar eclipse, and uh, they talked a lot about how difficult it is to to find a place and the airbnbs are all full up and uh, camping sites and so forth how far out did you start planning uh, so that you could find yourself a place are you are you going alone are you going with a group uh, tell me more no i'm actually going with my best friend judy shout out to frankie her mom who always listens to the show um and thankfully judy's sister and brother-in-law live in salem so we decided early on that we were going to go and do this primarily because we knew we had a free place to stay I will say that we bought our plane tickets probably five or six months ago. We're flying southwest, obviously, out of Sacramento, and we bought the tickets like the day they became available. So we both got in at the lowest category. Um, but Oregon, of all the states along the path of totality, I think Oregon is probably promoting this the most. And, of course, it's, it's an easy gateway for us to fly up to Portland. 
So uh, I was there in Portland early last month for the Rose Festival and was hearing a lot of the suppliers, uh, hoteliers and whatnot, speaking of the fact that they were sold out, even in Portland, which isn't on the path of totality. Well, and the, the, the folks in, in Oregon, you're right, Clayton, they've done a lot of promotion. And, of course, it doesn't hurt the fact that this is landing in August, which is, uh, you know, we, we tease in Oregon they have three, three seasons. They have winter, construction, and August. Right. Um, and so it, 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 lots of reasons to go to Oregon anyway uh, in August. So this would just be another one. Thank you for the, the reference to the website. Before we let you go here, um, talking about international travel, a little disjointed. Let's go back to international here. You are making a trip to Italy uh, this fall. And I wanted Italy is one of the most popular international destinations for tourists from the U.S. And I wanted to just ask you quickly here. We get a lot of, of questions in our mailbag Folks who ask us about where to go, and I mean, this has come up three or four times recently. Where to go in Italy? If you were going to, if somebody was planning a trip to Italy, um, two or three places that you would highly recommend, not miss places if you were planning an Italy itinerary. Well, I think the big three for Italy is Venice, Florence, and of course Rome. Rome is the major international airport for the whole country, so chances are you're either going to come or go or both out of Rome's airport. That having been said, a big hiccup that a lot of Americans run into is uh, blindly assuming and, and, and logically assuming that Rome's airport is in Rome. But actually, the, quote, Rome airport is on the, um, the west coast of the Italian peninsula, about an hour and a half drive out of the city. So it is good to at least think through your options of transportation before landing uh, when you're half asleep and just want to lay down. And then all of a sudden you find out that you're not really in Rome. Um, but, but Rome is an extraordinary city. If you're Catholic, even more so, um, because of course the religious significance and the Catholic significance of that city, that having been said, the Vatican is an amazing, uh, location, historically, artistically speaking, everybody should go see it, whether they're religious or not. And everyone's welcome to see it, whether they're religious or Catholic or not. It's an amazing place to spend a day during a Rome visit. And then, of course, you've got the antiquities. Some of the greatest architecture of the ancient world still exists in some shape, form, or fashion in Rome. You still have the very much standing and still in use Pantheon, which was the, the absolute masterpiece of ancient architecture. And then you have places like the Roman Forum, the Circus Maximus, where you're seeing things in the ruinous state. But even that is magical and romantic and, and awesome to see. Literally everywhere you go in Rome, you're subject just to walk up on a piece of antiquity that's two, three, four thousand years old next to, you know, McDonald's or whatever. I mean, it's a modern city built on top of an ancient city, and it has never, you know, it, it, it's always been a city for thousands of years. And there's just few places in the world where you can go and, and have an experience quite like Rome. With all the modern amenities that a modern city has to offer, oh, and then by the way, two and three thousand year old antiquities, which are right out the door of your hotel. So it's an extraordinary thing. My big advice in Rome is when you go to Rome, be an American by day and be a Roman by afternoon and evening. And what I mean by that is Americans should get up early like we're trained to do and go out and queue up for the museum or the attraction you want to see. You might have a bit of a wait, but it's in the cool of the morning. You'll be first in. Get all that out of the way. So do your touring in the mornings like an American, and then become an Italian. Go back to the hotel and take a nap. 
Um, siesta is a big part of their culture. It's the hottest, humidest part of the day. It's a good time to go and take it easy. And also, in Italy, they tend to eat dinner at 7.30, which is early. 8, 8.30 is probably more common, even 9, 10 o'clock at night. So if you've had that midday nap, you're ready to go in the evening, and you can party like an Italian and get up the next morning and be an American again. Clayton, you're uh, heading to Italy with a group uh, this fall? Yes, I have a trip in... Oh, you put me on the spot. Is it October? I think it's October. <laughs> <laughs> I'm relatively sure it's October. It, um, I, I, I personally choose to go in the shoulder season. It's late October now that I'm giving it a second thought. Um, because, again, it is a peninsula that hangs down in the Mediterranean, not terribly far from the equator. Much of the year is hot and extremely humid. And I know good Californians can take the heat, but they don't like the humidity. So uh, by going in October, I'm hoping for cooler, more fall-like temperatures because a cooler temp kind of displaces the feel of the humidity. We will put a, a link to your trip at TravelGuysRadio.com. If you're thinking about a trip to Italy, Clayton is taking a trip in the fall. And some good wisdom there, particularly about Rome. And, and you know, as, as tourism, popular tourism destinations become more and more crowded, probably the best piece of advice that I can offer anybody is get your hiney out of bed early in the morning and get off to your first attraction. And as you said, even if you have to wait in a queue a little bit, um, you're going to be doing it at a time of the day when it's a lot better to wait in a queue at, at 8 o'clock in the morning than it is at one thirty in the afternoon. And with Vatican, your queue is in the shade in the morning. It is in direct sun in the afternoon. So another reason to start early. Making you a smarter traveler. Clayton Whitehead, thank you for joining us this afternoon on The Travel Guys. Yes, sir. Y'all have fun. All right. Mark and Tom with you. And uh, speaking of uh, travel, we're going to, well, we've covered uh, international travel. Why? How about the continent? With Mark Hoffman next, we're going to get some thumbs ups and some thumbs downs on hotels, attractions, and transportation with Mark next. We're the Travel Guys, Mark and Tom, brought to you by Sports Leisure Vacations. Once again, follow along with everything at TravelGuysRadio.com. We have the podcast of uh, all of our shows posted there, and if you'd like to, you can sign up to uh, get a notification as to when the podcasts are ready. I try my best to, you know, uh, wrap them up and send them out so that we can have them to you within a day or so, but this will save you some time. You can sign up for the podcast and... Uh, You'll be notified as to when it's when it's ready. By the way, you can also get podcasts of the show at kfbk.com. Look for the Travel Guys. And also at iHeartRadio. You just do a search for... The uh, Travel Guys are everywhere. We kind of are. Yeah. I'm sorry about that. <laughs> you know? <laughs> Sometimes you just gotta you gotta put it you know in a disclaimer. <laughs> okay, look, uh, Mark just got back from uh, about three weeks on the road. Uh, we talked from to everywhere. Him. We talked to him on a couple of a Sundays from different locations. Mark, I know you have a kind of a kind of a go through here for make people well, smarter I just, travelers. Yeah, I just had a few places that I popped into and just some thoughts and ideas. If you're going up to the Portland area. Mm -hmm. Um, hotels in downtown Portland have just gotten ridiculous. I mean, totally ridiculous. Suggestion. Hold stay. On, I, I got to write this down because uh, we're going to be going at the uh, end of the month. Stay in Vancouver. Now, not Vancouver, British Columbia, Vancouver, Washington, which is just across the river from Portland. It's only about a 15-minute drive. 
uh, on I-5. It's a wonderful little town. It has some great nightlife. Mm-hmm. I noticed this weekend when I was up there. Um, it's a lot cheaper, a lot cheaper than downtown Portland. They have a wonderful farmer's market on Saturday and Sunday uh, mornings and afternoons right downtown. Uh, the Hilton in downtown Vancouver, I think, is one of the best hotels that I stay in anywhere in the country for any price. It's not an expensive hotel. It has a restaurant in, in-house. They do a wonderful breakfast. Um, it's just, it's a great place to stay. The people are friendly there. It's uh, about 60% as much as you would pay to stay in downtown Portland, the Hilton, Vancouver, Portland airport is the best airport in the country. Consistently voted that way. Tom, they've put a movie theater in the airport. So while you're waiting, you can watch films created by Portlanders and people from Oregon. Uh, in a movie theater in the airport in at Portland. The, at the Portland airport. Uh, yes, it's on the Sea Concourse, if you're if you're interested. Also, um, they a lot of airports advertise that the prices they're charging in the airport are the same prices you'd find on the street in town, except usually that street in town is like at the concession stand at the ballpark. Um, but in Portland, they really do charge street prices in the airport. The traffic around Portland, here's a negative. Awful, horrible, awful, bad, getting worse. Um, especially the area around the airport and uh, 205 and 84. If you're up there, you know Portland a lot. Uh, the traffic in Portland, you've got to plan your day around the traffic. So again, uh, especially on weekends, getting up before the crowd and getting started is important. Um, other side of the country, I was in Cape Cod, uh, Provincetown particularly. Um, what a great place. It's an end-of-the-road destination. Um, if you're going to Provincetown, you will find a definite absence of chain Properties, you can't use your hotel points there. You're going to have to pay for your hotel. Um, the Surfside is a wonderful place about a half mile from downtown uh, with views of the ocean. Even the non-view rooms are wonderful there. It's a really a nice hotel, and the people are really friendly. A great continental breakfast in the morning. Um, the Lobster Pot in downtown Provincetown, very famous place to eat, has had a redo with their menu, and we had a wonderful dinner there. I've eaten there five or six times. Never had a bad meal at the Lobster Pot in Provincetown. And if you go into Governor Bradford's to have a meal, make sure you say hello to Bubbles. She's been there for 46 years, and um, she's the proprietor there. Her name is Bubbles, and she's at Governor Bradford's in Provincetown. Tell her that Mark sent you. If you're going to Mackinac Island, um, we stayed a couple nights at the Grand Hotel. If you can afford the freight there, um, that's that's a wonderful opportunity. Mackinac is such a great place. It makes sure, though, you allow yourself a little bit of weather insurance. When you're going to Mackinac, don't stay for just one day. Make sure you plan a couple of days because the weather is kind of interchangeable there. And the Upper Peninsula of Michigan, which we're running out of time to talk about, uh, I'll, I'll pick another time, is a great place to visit. Country Inn and Suites. We stayed in those in Houghton, Michigan, and then in Traverse City when our airplane didn't fly. Not a chain that folks on the West Coast are real familiar with. It's more in the middle of the country. Great mid-range property, kind of like a Hampton Inn sort of place. Reasonable prices, nice rooms, nice people, country inn and suites. I kind of recommend that as a chain. Whew. Boy, <laughs> you covered it. You covered quite a bit there, Mark. By the way, we are the Travel Guys again uh, next week on the Travel Guys. Gwen Duncan will join us again. She will. She's got some other subjects to talk about. We're going to tell you the dirtiest places on airplanes and in airports, places that you might want to avoid. Wash your hands. All right. Thank you so much for joining us, Mark. You are welcome. Remember to dance like nobody's watching. Stay well, my friends. We'll see you next Sunday, 3 o'clock.